going on, y'all? My name is Obes. And I'm Cha. And this is Run the Play, the podcast that's sports, sports, and more sports. Mostly, I'm saying college football, NBA basketball, college basketball. But if something interesting happens in literally any other sport, we'll talk about it. Cha, what we got up first? First thing I want to touch on is some of the highlights from uh, this past Saturday. So the first one, Maryland beat the brakes off of number 21 Syracuse. Syracuse, coached by Dino Babers, black man. Shout out to him. Uh, They have had strong offenses during his time at Syracuse. When he was at Bowling Green, had strong offenses. He's always been a guy with strong offenses. Mm -hmm. So I thought going into this game, it was going to be a shootout. Maryland's defense is a lot better than I thought it was. <laughs> um, so to be able least. to slow down Syracuse uh, to, to the extent that they did. Um, also, Maryland very quietly is the highest scoring team in college football right now. They scored 79 points game one. Mm-hmm. Scored 63 points <laughs> game two. So they're averaging Man. over 70 points a game right that now. That is crazy. Now, is that sustainable? No, probably no, not. No, but... Not. You, you love to see it. <laughs> you do. Shout out, shout out to Maryland. Um, Mike Loxley got it, got it going. He could not get it going at New Mexico State years ago. People thought he was trash as a coach. But it's very difficult. you know. There, and there's a difference between program builders and um, sort of uh, what you would call, I guess for lack of, I can't think of a better term right now, but colonizers. Mm-hmm. So some people like, you know, your um, Howard Schnellenbergers, your Mark D'Antonio's. Even Nick Saban, to a certain extent. Nick Saban is a rare person that's both. That like he can come into a successful situation and make it more successful. Mm-hmm. He's also he's also proven to be a program builder and program sustainer. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at somebody like Howard Schnellenberger. Miami was nothing. They were about to get rid of their football program when he got there. He turned <laughs> them into national champions. And then if you ever watched that documentary, The U, you saw what they were able to do after that. Look at Mark D'Antonio. Michigan State was trash. Yeah. Absolute garbage when he got there. John L. And Smith. now it looks like... <laughs> well, matter of fact, we'll talk. We'll talk about them in more detail. I'm sure, but it looks like. I mean, he he took them to heights they haven't seen since the damn '60s. Yeah, so, yeah. So he so he's he's a program builder type, um, and he's also been pretty successful with a few hookups here and there at sustaining. But Mike Loxley seems like he's not the. He might not be the program builder, like to take you from like you know rock bottom to um, being successful. But Maryland had some success last year. They have players, and he's a great recruiter. So, I think he's he'll be able to build on what Maryland was able to be successful at last year, and then also you know, he learned a lot from being under Nick Saban. So I think he I think he has a chance to be very successful at Maryland, despite not being successful at New Mexico State. Cool, cool. So the next one, Army almost upset number seven Michigan. Did you watch this game? No, I was on the road during this game. But okay. all I could think of was that I told you. So I made two predictions last week. One mm-hmm. I was like super wrong about. Yeah, we'll get and to then that. One I was, yeah, and then one and then and then one I was super right about. This is the one I was super right about. I told you told you you said that Michigan would blow out Army. And I told you, mm-hmm. no, nah, Army's nice. Um, well, it was this my... be way closer, be way closer than the experts think. Well, and sure enough, <laughs> they should have won in regulation from what they, I understand. They should have. So, yeah, Army had all the chances in the world to win this game. I think it came down to Army does, cannot throw the football. 
Like their quarterback right. cannot throw the football. That's what it came down to. My thing is, when in doubt, just assume Michigan is overrated. I I don't know what I was doing. I was like, oh, maybe this is the year that they actually put it all together. They got a squad at number seven. No, no, they not they not number seven. Then they really aren't. They probably I don't know. Wait, what's what are they ranked right now? Because I know the AP poll came out today. They shouldn't be in the top ten. I'm sure they are in the top ten, but they shouldn't be I'm in the top pull it ten up right now. AP top ten. Michigan is number ten. Oh. In the coaches mm. poll, they are also number ten. Okay, okay. So you see, they did not want to, um, they, I guess, disrespect Michigan by making them out of the top ten. They shouldn't be in the top ten right now. Uh, and I'm not even, I'm not. It's not even me being the Michigan basher, which there'll be plenty of time to do that during the season. Right now, I'm just being realistic. You shouldn't have been number seven in the first place. And that's what happened. That's the thing. It's like you you get you almost get embarrassed like this. Actually, honestly, that is embarrassing because y'all rushed the field after almost losing to unranked Army as the number seven team in the nation. I hope Jim Harbaugh got on y'all for that because that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing for me. I'm not even a Michigan fan. One thing I would say though about that is when Michigan is like actually supposed to be good, not just people trying to talk themselves into it. Mm-hmm. Michigan will be in the top five. Mm-hmm. Right, they'll be in the top. They'll be in the top five when they're actually good preseason. Mm-hmm. When they're not, that's when you see them in like random spots, like twelve or like seven. You know, like that's <laughs> like that, that, that's a random spot for Michigan to be. But the fact that they weren't in the top five shows you that they weren't. People were trying to talk themselves into it more than they actually thought Michigan was good. So. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. It's, it's it's still early in the season. We'll see. All right, and the last one, Colorado comes back to beat number twenty five Nebraska. Yeah, so. Um, if you listen to the Chicken Social, you'll know I used to date somebody that went to University of Nebraska. And one thing that I learned about Nebraska football during that time is that um, real Nebraska fans do not expect Nebraska to win any game ever. Like, like ever, ever since Frank Solich got fired, uh, I'm shit, almost 20 years ago now, um, and they brought in Bill Callahan, Nebraska fans sort of live in this with this sense of like existential dread. Where no matter how well things are going, they fully expect that Nebraska will blow it and lose in heartbreaking fashion, and it's happened once again. Like they were up seventeen nothing. I'm driving home. I'm thinking, man, maybe they've turned the corner. Maybe they're they're gonna just control this whole game. And next thing it was seventeen seven. I'm like, okay, you know, Colorado's gonna score eventually, right? Then it was seventeen fourteen. I'm like, what is going on? As soon as it was seventeen fourteen, I'm like, yo, these niggas about to lose, Man. and they did in the heartbreaking fashion once again. Like, I don't know what it's gonna take for these niggas to get over the hump, man. I I, I really don't because like Scott Frost is just year two. Um, he's recruiting well, but those people that he's recruited, they're either true freshmen or they haven't gotten into school yet. So like, it's gonna take a little bit of time to pay dividends. But like, guys. You can't be up seventeen nothing on the road and blow it like that. I mean, like, I don't. You, you yeah, can't. yeah. If nothing else, think of the fans, man. They give them all <laughs> alcohol poisoning and all kinds of undue stress. Like, like, listen, they want to be able to go on Twitter and be like, "Oh, good, we won," right? Instead of, "Yeah, knew this was gonna happen." But it always happens. Honestly, knew this was gonna happen. As a fan, there's like it should only be like a handful of games that you should kill yourself over. Um, all the other games, you should just sit back, let it happen. Because cause my whole thing is, like, either it's a game that you know y'all going to win 
and you and uh and so you're gonna win it and or it's a game that you know you're gonna lose or you're gonna say so you're gonna lose it or it's a rivalry game so to me it's like the rivalry game should be what you focus your energy on all the other games just let it happen you know what i'm saying like you know just just, just enjoy the show it is it's not that serious you shouldn't be emotionally invested in, into it the way some of us get you know i'm guilty of it in the past but i'm trying to grow i'm trying to it's called growth it's called growth. Well, i mean I don't think you've never been to Nebraska, have you? No, I have not. I've, I've, I've been not. to Nebraska, okay. and I—it's very clear to me why they turn every Nebraska game, whether it's home or away, into a Nebraska home game. I would do anything to get out of that state if I lived in Nebraska. <sighs> and that's not to say—I mean, they're all very nice people. Like Nebraska, nice is a very—it's a real thing when when they're sober. Nebraskans are very nice people, but like, man. I, I felt for them, honestly, truly, yesterday. Because like that, that's a game that used to be a big rivalry game when they were both in the Big 12. Oh, yeah, they were Colorado's, both in the Big yeah, 12. Yeah, they were I both forgot. in the Big 12. But both of them are not anymore. Colorado's <laughs> in the Pac-12 now. But yeah, when they were both in the Big 12, that was a big rivalry game. Um, Nebraska, like I said, like they always do. They traveled well to the game. And it was a game that they had in hand. Mm. So like even the most cynical Nebraska fans like, oh, I think we got this one. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then they didn't got this one. And then it didn't, and then he got it. Yeah, crazy stuff, man. So let's move on to the big games. Uh, let's start with yes. the Texas number twelve Texas A&M versus number one Clemson. Yeah. So I think yeah. last week I said that because it was at Clemson, they would win. And while it wasn't like you know offensive explosion that you've come to expect from Clemson over the last five to ten years. Clemson dominated that shit. Like that was yes. like, it's like it's like it's like one of those games where that Alabama used to do before they had Tua, mm-hmm. where they would just sort of slowly suffocate you over the course of the game. And it's like it might be ten three, but that seven points seems like you're down seventy instead of just seven. Because <laughs> like it's like 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 the final score is twenty four to ten. But it wasn't I watched, no 24 to I watched 10 the game. second half. It was never it, that close. It was never <laughs> like, like, no. Like maybe in the first quarter, because I watched the whole game. See, my what I saw as the biggest issue was uh, Jimbo Fisher coming into the game thinking that A and M and Clemson were on equal footing. It's like he forgot that uh, Kellen Mond. He, he forgot is his about last season. He, he's like he forgot who his quarterback is. His well, quarter- to be fair, Kellen, Kellen Mond threw for four hundred yards against Clemson last year. He, <clears throat> I, I'm surprised he was he was he has the capacity to do that. What I saw last night, or yeah, last night, because recording this on Sunday, um, he's not capable of doing that. From what I saw, I'm surprised. Like that must have been a fluke game or something. I don't know, but I didn't see it. I didn't see that killing mom. Yes, I, I saw a scared boy. Like you look at his face, that boy was scared. He was playing scared. He looked scared. That boy was scared. Shoot. It, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, like I said, he threw for 400 yards against Clemson last year. He, like, wait, he looked, he he was very good last year against Clemson. He he wasn't. Now, now, to be fair, that was in College Station, but still, he wasn't that this year. Unfortunately, no. unfortunately for no, Texas he wasn't. and uh, you know, right. and it was crazy. It was like early, like I saw, I saw A um, and M like running the ball well, you know. But again, like I feel like. Him, like I guess, mind. I give him the credit. Maybe he just had a bad game. 
like his mind struggled. All right, and that, and when when he was struggling and he was playing, he looked scared. A and M really didn't have a chance after that. That's what I saw. Well, I think. Well, I think part of what it was also is like Clemson, even though they lost their whole defensive line, it's like, you know, you never want to go 400 yards passing to anybody. So I'm sure part of it was that they had, uh, so they felt they had something to prove on defense. It's like this guy gave us 400 yards and should have won last year. AM should have won that game against Clemson last year. They got some bad calls, uh, you know, didn't execute perfect down the stretch. But yeah, AM should have won that game last year. So I'm sure going like going all through the summer preparing for this game, Clemson's defense was like, we got to get back at these people. And they absolutely did. So, uh, yeah, they, they beat the hell out of Kellen. That was also part of the reason why he didn't play well. They beat the hell out of him. He was, like, visibly limping at points during the game. True. That's true. No, but, yeah, my, my biggest takeaway, again, was um, I didn't think I – don't, I, don't, I didn't like Jimbo's game plan. I didn't like his game plan. I do. I would like to say shout out to that cornerback for A and M, Miles Jones, because I thought he, I thought he looked very good against Justin Ross. I was impressed. I was impressed from the from the plays I saw. I was impressed. Uh, who? Not else? an easy thing to do to it's, look good against. It Justin is Ross. not. But he looked good. I was. I would. He, he was staying with them. He was. He got some deflections. I was like, okay, who is this guy? I had to look him up. So uh, shout out to him. Um, and then number three on that defensive A and M, he got a lot of heart. Um, because I I saw him on a few plays in the first half. Uh, he's moving that left tackle off the ball, and it's like a DN. This is like a weak side DN. It's like a like a linebacker type. And he, I was like, okay, I see him moving the line of scrimmage. I don't know where he was at in the second half. I, I wasn't paying attention because I don't think I don't even know if I watched the second half. I th- I feel like I said it was over after the, the first half, but it was. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, in the first half, you know, it was, it, was, it was a lot of heart. It was a lot of heart on that A and M defense, and uh, it just wasn't enough, unfortunately. Correct. So in the other game, the primetime, the primetime game, LSU at Texas. <laughs> oh, boy. I was excited for nah, that game. Boy, but I'll first, we got to talk about, I don't know if you saw the footage of the LSU players just being blatantly just disrespectful. I did, didn't see the footage, but oh, I did hear about it. man. It was like they were coming over. You know how... You, when you come in at warm-ups, the, you share the field. One one team was on one half, the other team was on the other half. And LSU players were, like, coming up to the to the um, midfield and just talking mess like it was a rivalry game. I was like, oh, is this the energy we bring in? Okay. Okay, I see it. And okay, I, I, did, I, did, I did see that. I did see that. The uh, other thing that I heard about was that LSU players were, like, drinking Texas players' water. Yes, I saw that. Games. Yes. Yes, they were. They were doing all of that. They were doing... All of that, and they did all of that, that and then they won. <laughs> so yes. I think yes. um, um, the University of Texas is now LSU at Austin. I think um, I that's <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Then now you know how it's like to have a satellite school in your city. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, we, that, we we that, we getting there. We going there. We going there. That's that's a nice little callback to an earlier podcast that we used to do. Um, one thing I thought was interesting. So Texas, the whole week leading up, decided they were going to call themselves DBU, Defensive Back University. <laughs> now, Texas has not had a defensive back draft in the first round since our good friend Humble Teej was at University of Texas. Actually, probably even a little bit before that. He's not that much older than me. Um, but like, yeah, it's been a minute since they were putting defensive backs in the first round or into the NFL at all. 
They've they've put some in um, over the years. They've had some really like big time defensive backs uh, in the NFL, but it's been a long time. Whereas you look at somebody like uh, like a school like like LSU, Alabama, Michigan State, Florida. Kinda. Although the Florida Florida players in the NFL, yeah, Michigan State's put some good guys in. Um, although they haven't, they've dealt with injuries. But, Shoot, um, UH has put in a few guys in. UH has put yeah. UH has put more guys in the NFL the last ten years at the defensive back position than UT has. So if anybody if anybody in the state of Texas is a DBU is UH, but that's neither here nor there. Um, LSU has been much more prolific at putting corners and safeties in the NFL than Texas has. True. So that that's really what started the whole animosity between the two schools. Uh, was Texas has really has no honest claim to being DBU. LSU, I would say, if any school is going to be DBU, is LSU. Although neither team's defensive secondary showed up last <laughs> night. <laughs> it was eight, 880 <laughs> yards of passing last night between two quarterbacks. <laughs> like, like, like my my, my man uh, Sam Ellinger had 409 yards passing. He lit, especially in the second half, he lit it up through the air. But the story of the game, really, Joe Burrow, the Ohio Man, State transfer, that 471 boy, yards passing, that including bo- an enormous third and 17 completion yo, that turned to a touchdown. Yo, yo. that was crazy. This man, is, that's a bad man. That's a cold Joe man. Burrow's nice. That Joe Burrow's cold. nice. That dude's cold. That dude's cold. I had never seen him play. You know, I didn't know what to expect going into the game. And this dude just looks so cool in the pocket. Like he was in the he was sitting in the pocket like he was just like that was his home. He was like, man, he ain't, he ain't about to, he ain't about to mess with me in my house. What's wrong with y'all? You know, it's just you just you just chilling, chilling. See a receiver open, bam, pockets start to break down. Zip, move zip, out the zip. move out the pocket. You know what I'm saying? Just zip. like this, you know. And he could run a little bit. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I see, I, I'm like this dude is nice. This dude yep. is nice. Who is this guy? This dude is nice. You know, crazy thing. It really goes to show you how well Urban Meyer was recruiting. The quarterback position at Ohio State. <laughs> the fact that at one point they had Joe Burrow, um, Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> JT Barrett all in the same quarterback room. And then also, then they also tra- got uh, Justin Fields to transfer in as well. So, yeah, they, <laughs> it's kind of it's like a couple years ago, Michigan State had Connor Cook, Kirk Cousins, and Nick Foles in the same quarterback room. Like, oh, Nick Foles ended up transferring to Arizona. Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I didn't know. He was in at Michigan State. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you you just get it going at at one position in college. Um, stuff that's like impossible in the NFL. Like you can't pay that many people of that quality in yeah. the NFL. Of, well, of the equivalent quality in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But you can do it. You can do it in college, and you ain't got to pay these. N- but um, but yeah, back but back to LSU. LSU having a good offense feels really unnatural, and I'm not sure what to think or feel about it. Because my entire life watching college football, they've always been that like grind it out, play not like to defense, lose. On offense. Defensive power offense, yeah. we're gonna score twenty. Defense, we're gonna allow ten. Type team, uh, yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. Um, with the with the exception of the national championship year with Les Miles, when he was just like fourth and five. Like, we just need a field goal. And he's like, no, fuck that. We're going for a touchdown. And then it worked. I remember that. Hold up. Wait. It's like you're sitting there like, what is they, – they're down one. Why? <laughs> what, what are they doing? No, and then it works. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? 
But they but but after literally after that, and then uh, the 2011 season when they beat Alabama nine six in the regular season, were undefeated SEC champions, and then lost to Alabama twenty one nothing. After that, he was just like, "Nah, we're just gonna I'm just gonna let the defense try to do it." And uh, yeah, no matter even even when he was like facing losing his job, he still wouldn't open up an offense. So seeing Coach Orgeron. Uh, have this type of just explosive offense. It reminds me of what I thought was going to happen. Remember last, I guess two years, three years ago now, three years ago now, when it, the reports came out that Tom Herman had taken the LSU job. Mm-hmm. This is what I thought they were going to look like when it when he, the reports came out that he had taken the LSU job. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Coach O actually has LSU as a better program than Texas. Is. And also, you realize, like, I feel like wonder. I did, I just thought about this. But one of the reasons why LSU was also probably mad was how Tom Herman just used them as leverage for the yeah. Texas job. Like yeah, I, I that's forgot right. about that completely, and so you I, sure I, did. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they were like, oh, "Okay, we you think you're just gonna play us?" Nah, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I see it. Okay, nah, y- y'all y'all deserve that. Y'all deserve mm-hmm. that. Longhorns, y'all, y'all deserve that. All your fans, y'all deserve that. At first, I yep. was like, dang, y'all, y'all, LSU just being mad disrespectful, but they backing it up. No, now I realize, you know, y'all, y'all had it. Y'all probably had it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every bit of it. Yeah. Sure did. So. I knew so. this was Yep. You know. Let's get over When it. you're right, you're right. You know what I'm saying? And when you're wrong, you're dead wrong. Mm-hmm. Western Michigan at MSU. Number 19 yep. MSU, which I'm sure they moved up after that manhandling last night. Okay, I had three mm-hmm. games on at once. We'll get to the third game in a second. I, I just want to uh, give the people a refresher real quick. I don't think Western Michigan is going to do that to Michigan State, though. I bet you they do. I don't. Nah, Nick, bro, you being disrespectful. They I, not bet going, they I, bet you, I bet you Western, they do. I bet you. I bet you. I bet you. Western Michigan is Western. not finna hold no damn Michigan State. Which Michigan State? Because here's the thing about the teams and the Michigan teams, whether it's Michigan or Michigan State, when they play any team that's not Central, because Central Michigan be having some squads sometimes. But when they play Eastern Michigan, when they play Western Michigan, when they play them directional Michigans, okay, them directional Michigans get they get they, they tend to get smacked. Western's gonna hold them under 100 yards. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. I don't and I I don't want to hear a word about well, let's wait and see. That that the offense is trash. They're not gonna hold them to no 100 and, and, yards. And and it's and it's Mark Antonio's fault, 100. percent Where was that when I, for me calling <laughs> Army being close to Michigan? <laughs> Selective editing. I see. Nah, okay. because, see, see, because folks, this is what I was not. When one person I was does not, the editing, another person here's the does thing. Just, just the talent. Here's the thing. I was not adamant about Army getting destroyed the way you were adamant about Michigan, about Western Michigan holding Michigan State, MSU, to oh, under a hundred yards rushing. Come at least on, I didn't man. say. I, see, I didn't say Western was going to beat them. I just said <laughs> that they weren't going to run the ball. Now, <laughs> now, and now, to be fair to me. I thought they were going to continue to be stubborn like they had the last two years and keep putting um, Hayward out there at running back despite him showing that he is trash. I understand. Uh, they, they, they did not. They did the smart thing. They went with Elijah Collins. Fresher freshman. That n- 
lit it up. 17 carries, 192 yards. Man. Unfair that they did not let him get a touchdown. But, but yeah, was he cra- was he he was incredible. <laughs> that was crazy. Yesterday. So yeah, shout he- out to Elijah Collins and shout out to Martin Antonio for finally listening to one of his offensive coaches and letting him just run the show. That's what it looked mm-hmm. like to me. It did. Was was Mark was um Salem. What's my man's name? What's his first name? I do not know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. OC Salem, Salem. the offensive coordinator, OC Salem. It looked very much to me like he was like, look, if we're gonna if I'm gonna be bad on offense or good on offense, it's gonna be with my system. And it looked like they were running what he wanted to do. They looked very different. The O line looked so much better. The O line mm-hmm. looked like a cohesive group. They were pushing people off the ball, they're creating holes. And also, just a quick side note, to Hayward's credit, he looks great as a receiver. Like as an H-back, as like a like a slot out in space. He looks great out there. I don't need him behind the line, like behind with the quarterback as a running back. I don't need him there. He's nah, not between the tackles. But in space, that boy nice. He also had a fumble. So he had three oh, yeah, carries. He, he fumbled one of the three carries, yeah, never he, played he, again. He's not he's not a running back. He's not a running no. back. No. No, he's not. He's not. Nope. 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 But yeah, listen, if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna I'm saying make make the prediction that they're gonna be held under a hundred yards rushing and then they go for what was it? Two what was it, two fifty three? All I know is that Elijah had two fifty one. Had like one eighty himself or something like that. One ninety one ninety two. One ninety two. There you go. So that's that's all I had to say about that. That's all, the only reason why I put that in there is because you you was just being wild, disrespectful, and I, I had I had no reason to respect <laughs> that offense. They've been trash for the last three years. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I'm look. I love Michigan State. Anybody that knows me knows that they are my second team to behind UH. I love to see Michigan State be good. I wanted desperately for them to be good on offense the last three years. Looks like finally they're showing a pulse. And your boy is very happy to see it. I love to see it. I love to see it. <laughs> now, and I'm not taking credit for them being better on offense either. But I do appreciate <laughs> them being good on offense. So thank you to Mark D'Antonio for letting uh, your offensive coordinator coordinate the offense. And the other game was uh, Prairie View at Houston. I tried yes. to watch this game. Uh, part it of it was, yeah. Part of it was as boring. Part of it that my was that it was on ESPN three, and my connection was terrible. So it was like watching, like standard definition in like 2019, which is like you know. So I couldn't really tell what was going on. I just knew that <laughs> I just knew that the, like you guys didn't appear to be playing all that well, but they also didn't appear to be trying. And I just figured, okay, they're probably just resting a lot of players to uh to prepare for Washington State this Friday. It did um, not look like we game planned for no prayer view at all. No. I'm saying only at one all. by twenty. So yeah. It just it was just chilling. We also had we also had what is it, two turnovers in the game. Mm-hmm. We threw a pick we threw a pick, we had a lost fumble. Yeah. It we was, didn't even get over four hundred yards of offense. Although yeah. we did run the ball pretty well. But yeah, watching it, I was just like, "Did we prepare for these niggas?" No, no, we didn't. They did not because we have we have a big game, arguably the biggest game left on our schedule, definitely the biggest remaining non-conference game against Washington State at NRG Stadium mm-hmm. this coming Friday. Yes. So um, yeah, given that Prairie View, we really don't we were beating them no matter who we put out there on the field because um, literally we scored twenty four points in the first quarter and then just put on the afterburners <laughs> for the rest of the game. Yeah. 
So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend, to this weekend's uh, game against Washington State. Um, I, you know what? I think we have a chance to win it. I do. I think we have a chance to win it. I think so too. Um, I have not me saying this as someone who has not watched Washington State play since last year, but I, I, I think you always think UH has a chance against any team they play. Not named like you know Alabama or Clemson or one of those like top top tier people. Right. Yeah, but we're not uh, playing one of those top top tier people. Exactly. We're playing, we're playing Washington, Washington State. State. We're playing Wazoo, the original Cougs. You know, this battle for yes. the, battle for the Cougs. Fun fact. So the reason we're called the UH Cougars, there was a professor back when we were still a very young school. Uh, there was a professor that came from Washington State. For whatever reason, he was involved in the mascot naming process. And he said, well, I just came from Washington State. They're the Cougars, and I really like that. We should be the Cougars here. And somebody said, that's a great idea. Let's go with that. And that's why. That's literally why UH is also the Cougars. Yes. So the difference one, between when you say Go Cougs for Washington State, you spell it C-O-U-G-S, whereas when it's Go Cougs for UH, it's C-O-O-G-S. Sounds like, sounds like, now you, now you know. <laughs> sounds like some trademarking issues. Um, that's probably, probably. why. <laughs> um, probably, one, almost one, certainly. So one thing I noticed, I thought – they rested mobile car because they just they just wanted him to like they maybe was like banged up from OU and they wanted him to rest up for um, the Washington State game. Turns out that they're actually he's actually one of the redshirt candidates, so they're trying to register him this year. And what that tells me is that because he was a walk on originally, I'm pretty sure, and then he got on scholarship. What that no. tells well, he wasn't well, a walk on, he was player. on scholarship. Okay, but regardless, yeah. what that tells me is that they probably should have registered him his freshman year, and they did mm-hmm. not. They just burned it because. Uh, who is who was here? Was that um that was Tom Herman? Tom Herman's um class should with no no intention of building any kind of program at UH. We're just like, eh, you're pretty good. You know, you go ahead and be the fourth back on this team. Just go ahead and just burn your red shirt right now, like just for no reason. He burned a few red shirts like that. Like I'm pretty sure De'Ari King probably should have been redshirted. He had no business yep. playing as a freshman. Like we had same we same had, with um although he did end up redshirting uh Stevenson Deshaun Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Bryson Smith he did, probably should have been redshirted. Yep. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird redshirting a senior though. <laughs> hey, look. It is what it is. We, we look. We have enough running backs. We could definitely use them next year more than this year. I'm just I'm just happy that he's like agreed to that. He was like, yeah, you know, it's cool. That's cool. <laughs> well, think about it, right? So he's African, and like, like, like FOB African. Brush off the boat for those that don't know. Oh, a Liberian, um, right? Yeah. So I'm sure he's like, look, I get, I get more education at no expense <laughs> to my, at no expense to my family. That's like the African dream. So like, I get to get my second masters now. <laughs> he, probably, he probably has one. He probably has one already. Like real shit. He probably has one. So shout out to him for for being agreeable to the coaches, to the dilemma that we find ourselves in as a result of our last two coaches. It makes me wonder what I. You know, I think I think he would have just left regardless because uh, he would not have had a good third year. He being Tom Herman, had he stayed, because like you said, he was not building a program. He was just trying to win as many games as he could so he could go coach at Texas. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what the hell Major was doing. Major was like coaching for his job week to week. <laughs> so the big story of the NFL, the past like I guess the past month, but it all came to like I guess the climax this past yesterday. <laughs> this past yesterday. Yes. So I'm talking about Antonio Brown. For those who don't know, 
So yes. just a quick recap. As you know, had beef with Ben Roethlisberger in uh, Pittsburgh. So he kind of demanded a trade, forced, basically forced that trade. Got traded to the Raiders. Things seemed to be good, but then he didn't report to camp because, you know, he had the frostbitten feet, right? Doing some mm-hmm. type of, was it treatment or like some type of workout thing? And was it France or it something? Was, it, was, it, was, it was treatment after a workout. It was cryotherapy. Okay. okay. And then he didn't wear like the shoes or something. So his, his feet got frostbitten. So, he, you know, he couldn't, couldn't practice. Which, to me, that's understandable. You know, 31-year-old receiver, just trying to do whatever he can to make sure his body is right for the season. All right, cool. Whatever. Where it really started taking a turn was the helmet issue. That was when he started becoming an annoyance to Oakland, to the front office in Oakland. Just complaining about this helmet. But that ended up with him getting an endorsement with the, with the helmet manufacturer. So, he was getting W's, right? A.B. always getting mm-hmm. these W's. All right? Yes. So, after all these summertime woes... Uh, the organization finds him. They sent him a letter. Now, it didn't make it public. It was just like a sort of, they sent him a letter personally, and they said, we're finding you for X, Y, and Z. He gets pissed, posts the letter on social media, and that sparks uh, um, an argument between him and Mike Mayock, the GM. In that argument, A.B. calls Mayock a cracker and threatens to assault him. This was considered mm-hmm. gross misconduct. The Raiders were able to get out from under his guaranteed $30 million. And they also had planned on suspending um, Antonio Brown for the first game. But on Friday, I think, uh, head coach John Gruden said that A.B. will play in the season opener. But then, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, it comes out that the Raiders released Antonio Brown at Antonio Brown's request. That made Brown a free agent able to sign anywhere. And before I could even tweet, I hope he doesn't end up with the Patriots. A.B. signs a one-year, $15 million deal, $9 million guaranteed with the Patriots. Same day he gets released from the Raiders. Yes. Now, if you thought that was some good drama, check this. This morning, Sunday, September 8th, Chris Mortensen reports something that suggests this was perhaps all part of um, A.B.'s plan. Let's listen. Antonio Brown during the week, actually sought advice from social media consultants on how he can <laughs> accelerate his release from the Raiders. And this all started with him releasing the, the letter from Mike Mayock that he was being fined. He put, he put that out on social media, which led to the confrontation. Now, Drew Rosenhaus, the agent on this, said there was a robust market for, for uh, Antonio Brown. He's not lying. I checked around. There were teams seriously interested. And as far as Bill Belichick goes, he's always had an interest in Antonio Brown when he became available this offseason. He actually he actually offered a first-round pick to the Steelers. Kevin Colbert of the Steelers wanted more but really didn't want to trade him at all. So he, he basically went on and took the third and fifth from the Raiders. So was, what do you think of all this? What do you make of all this? So it's interesting. So... I was thinking about this on the on my drive back from our parents' house earlier today. And I was thinking about how then we're going to jump into a little, little bit of politics here for a second. I was thinking about how white people never it never occurs to them that black people might be doing something smart. Anytime a black person does something smart, it's always like, "Oh, God-given ability or it was luck." It's never that a black person sat down looked at the situation they found themselves in and outwitted other people, specifically white people, to get into the position that they wanted to be in. So if we, if we, if we step back a second to last season, 
Antonio Brown realized that he could no longer coexist with Ben Roethlisberger. He wanted to play for a different team. He wanted to play for the Patriots is what he wanted to do. But the Steelers would not trade him to the Patriots. So he had to get out by any means necessary. The team that would that was willing to trade for him was the Raiders. So he I think I think he he sort of got himself excited about playing for the Raiders and then he saw how bad Derek Carr was <laughs> and he was like, "Nah, this ain't going to work." So he sat back and thought, "Okay, what can I do?" Cuz another thing I thought about was he did an interview where he said he has more than enough money he can retire at any time. Like he doesn't need the game of football. He's made so much money from playing football, he doesn't need the game of football anymore. So then I flash back to what's been happening in the last few weeks in the offseason. He had the incident with the, his feet getting frostbitten in cryotherapy. A lot of teams would have released a player for that. He had the incident about he wouldn't wear the helmet. He insisted on wearing his old helmet, even though the league mandated that you have to have a new one that's less than 10 years old. A lot of teams would have released a player for that. You think about him releasing the letter saying that he was getting fined by mm-hmm. the Raiders. A lot of teams would have released him for that. You think about him almost getting into a fight with his general manager. <laughs> like, like you think about you think about all the things that he did to try to get himself released so that he could then choose the team that he wanted to play for. And you had people, even my even my even myself, like you think like mm-hmm. I th- thinking back on it, I should have known after he got a after he got an endorsement deal for a helmet, after going through that whole saga with the helmet, that he was Pulling the string, he was like Geppetto pulling mm-hmm. the strings on Pinocchio, and then he was able to force his way out of a really shitty situation with with the Raiders to perhaps the greatest football situation that's ever existed with the new with the New England Patriots. And now for the second time, yeah, I'll say second time because um, Gronk was uh, not a wide receiver; he's a tight end. For the second time, Tom Brady has a generational talent at wide receiver. Remember what happened the last time he had one of those? They went undefeated, and he threw 50 touchdowns in a season. <laughs> and Randy Moss set a record for most receiving touchdowns in a season. Antonio Brown is not Randy Moss, but he he is he's like he's gonna be a first. Like go like pull up Antonio. Matter of fact, people try to argue this about whether Antonio Brown is generational as a wide receiver or not. Pull up Antonio Brown's uh, career statistics and look at how many hundred yard hundred receiving. Hundred reception seasons he's had. However, how many fifteen hundred plus yard receiving yard seasons he's had. He's incredible, yes. and he's never had a quarterback and an offensive system as malleable to his talents as the one that he's jo- he's joining right now. So, like, I honestly put the Patriots as my favorites to win the Super Bowl, which I mean that's not really going out on a limb. <laughs> I, I thought the Chiefs, especially how good they look today on offense, I thought the Chiefs were, were going to do it. They should have done it last year. Yeah. But um, I, I thought the Chiefs were going to do it now. And then look at the Ravens. We'll talk about them in a second. Uh, the Ravens look dominant. It's week one. Don't want to make too much out of one week. But they look great. Um, so I guess right now, all AFC teams are who I like for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Chiefs, Ravens, and Patriots right now. But yeah, back to Antonio Brown, though. We need to give black people more credit for being smart. And I think that's what he did. Um, he was willing to make himself look crazy for a little bit to get to the situation that he wanted to be in. And it, it's worked out beautifully. And I I had I had recognized it when he did the helmet thing. I don't know why I didn't recognize it when he got off the Raiders completely. I guess for me, 
I do not have millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? So if somebody offered me $30 million and said, you just have to follow these things and you'll get your $30 million, I would just follow those things and get my $30 million. <laughs> He's already gotten his $30 million many times over. So he doesn't, it's different for him now. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he's playing with literal house money. Like he has all the money he could ever need or want. He doesn't need to play football anymore, which he has told us. <laughs> so like at this point, it's just, it's just like, I want to win a Super Bowl and I want to be in a good working situation, which he has never had in his career. And he finally has that now. Yeah. So yeah, we need to give him more credit for mm. being smart. Dang. And black people in general, more credit for being smart. Yeah, because I, I honestly... Along the way, I was like, oh, this is all part of his plan, like in different points. So, like, I thought the helmet thing, I thought the end, I thought his game plan was like, you know, that that endorsement deal. I didn't realize that, that he was just trying to get cut. <laughs> he was just trying to get released. I, I'd never. Yeah. And so I guess I am guilty of that, too. Not not seeing that, not even thinking of that. I just thought that there was something mentally wrong with him, you know. We and that you know yeah we, dang I got internalized check, I gotta racism che- yes I got to che- yes yeah. I was like I got to check myself now as you see it's it's terrible because I'm as a black man especially I like to think that I do not have prejudice prejudice against other black people but it's evident that we all do and so I need to check myself on this one I definitely do uh, Antonio Same. Brown. Um, Shoot, man, he he, he did that. (laughs) He did that, man. That's all I got to say about that. That's that on that. And before we get out of here, let's do a quick NFL check-in. First things first. This dude, Lamar Jackson, out here balling. Yes. Balling. As the baseball folks like to say, he was was f***ing dealing. He was (laughs) 17 for 20. What was it 312 yards passing? Wait, hey, let me pull. Up, let me pull it up so I have the the exact numbers. I don't want to sell my man short. See, so had five touchdowns. He had zero picks. Wow, zero picks today. They were up 42 to 10 at the half. They set a record uh, for most points in the first half of a game. Uh, it's definitely a franchise record. I believe that was also an NFL record. Mm. But let me, I, I don't want to say that, that I haven't confirmed that. But yeah, 17 to 20, 324 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks. He's only, he was sacked once. He had three rushes for six yards. That's exactly what I want to see. He only had three rushes today. So like uh, one thing you and I talked about with regards to how sort of timid the UH offense was against Prairie View. Mm-hmm. Now they're not sort of running zone read. And I told you that they have, they have a pitch count for, um, for De'Ara King so he doesn't get hit in like meaningless games. Mm-hmm. I think you need to have a pitch count for somebody like Lamar Jackson. When you when you play against the Steelers and the Patriots, you're going to run him however many times it takes to win the game. But when you play against a team like the Dolphins, who are terrible, there's no reason for him to rack up those hits unnecessarily. That makes sense. That's what you got all those running backs for. Um, Robert Griffin, there's a blast from the past. Six for six, 55 yards and a touchdown. So he also played very well today. Oh, that's six. okay. Okay, yeah. Robert, that, okay. So that's that's six passing touchdowns by the uh, Ravens today. Then they also had a total of how many rushing yards did they these niggas have today? Two hundred and sixty-five rushing yards for the wow. Ravens. They, they 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 went like full college offense. They had six hundred forty-three <laughs> yards of offense today. The Ravens. Now I know Miami is bad, but no, it, it takes a good team to put up those numbers. You know. Yes. I don't care how bad the other. It's still NFL competition. 
You know, yes. if if the Ravens were just average, I think they win twenty four nothing. Because to put up when you put up forty points in an NFL game, that means your team is nice. And they put up fifty nine. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, they won. They they won fifty nine to ten. Jesus, that that's a college game. That looks like yep. Michigan so State against Western. Yeah. So that that that's why I like the Ravens right now. Ravens, Chiefs, Patriots. Those are my three teams that I like right now to go to the Super Bowl. <sighs> so next one, Baker Mayfield. Not balling. Not balling. Not. Nobody on the Browns is balling today. They lost 43-13 to 13 to the Titans. Now, look, maybe the Titans are good. Marcus Mariota has always been talented, but he's never had good offensive coaching in the NFL. Maybe he finally has that. We'll see. It's only game one. Uh, Baker got picked three times. So Three times. In the fourth quarter. So with... Uh, dang. So with um, you know, Twitter being Twitter, I gotta pull up some of the the funny puns and funny name games they they gave for Baker this week. So at uh Trey from New York, I call him Laker Mayfield, the way he falls apart after all the hype. Damn. At Jim Jimson Jr. Not nice. It's not nice. At Jim Jimson Jr., Baker may fold. Mm. Damn. Uh, at Call Me Huey. Baker Mayfield is John Kitna with nice dancing skills. That's See, that's not fair. And then at uh, Z Mullis, that's your boy. That's your boy, Zach. Uh, Christian sure. Hackenberg, who can Dougie. Mm. Damn. That one was particularly heinous. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Hackenberg was drafted in the second round based purely off of racism. That nigga was trash. <laughs> Baker Mayfield at least won the Heisman. He was good last year, you know. He's shown some things in the league. Nah, we gonna, we, we, we'll give Baker damn. some more chances. I'm saying we, like I said, you said Heisman winner. He played well last year. So, you know, we, we'll, 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 we'll give him a few more weeks before... Um, I expect we go the full media, slander. Yeah, before I expect the media to come down on him hard. Okay, so next thing, um, I see that uh, Tyreek Hill appears to have gotten injured. Yeah, no update yet from the from the uh, team. And then Nick Foles also appears to have gotten injured. He was balling today too. Yeah, he actually got injured on a touchdown pass. Dang. Perfect throw. Dang, that is unfortunate. Um, shout out to Nick Foles. Um, shout out to Tyreek Hill. Hopefully, y'all. Get better. I don't like people. See, I don't like seeing people get injured. I don't like seeing players get injured. So, um, we hope um, people are able to get better. Um, because I'm saying, cause at the end of the day, they are they, their bodies is their livelihood, you know. And so the people are depending on on them. Um, so just hope they are able to get better and get um back to work and all that. Same. Well, before we close out, uh, the Cowboys are up thirty-five to ten on the Giants, and Dak Prescott is balling. Out of control, as the kids say. All these black quarterbacks um, balling. I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. This has been a black quarterback weekend. Shout out to all the black quarterbacks. Well, what's Jameis well, doing? Eh, not so great for Jameis. Everybody else, though. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 did, what did Cam do? Cam, 25 for 38. No touchdowns passing, though. Although the running game was very strong today, and he plays a big role in that. So, you know, he's, yeah, he's just decent for him. All right. So, you can follow Run the Play at Run the Play Pod uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you notice that there's nothing on there, because there probably isn't, uh, you can just follow us at the CS Pod like you have been. That's T H E C S P O D. T H E C S P O D. 
good stuff. Run the play will be up and running as soon as we have the logo, the official logo. There's a logo, as you can see. Especially if you're watching, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can see it. Um, also, you listen to us on Spotify right now. We're still waiting to get word from Anchor that wow. we're on all of the other streaming sites yeah. or other podcast sites. I submitted it to Apple and Google myself, so. I'm still waiting. I did the Apple on Thursday, last Thursday. I did the Google earlier today. So um, hopefully we should, hopefully by the time, by like Wednesday, by th- but hopefully by the next episode. It's not this Monday's episode, but the Thursday episode this week. Hopefully we'll be up on all those so you can subscribe to us and not have to just, you know, go to our website and listen or go to Spotify and listen. Yeah, right now it's been a struggle getting it out to the people because it's not everywhere but we'll get it to y'all don't worry about it there's plenty of episodes this season there's gonna be plenty of episodes for y'all to listen to yes and I guess you can follow me at on Twitter and on Instagram at Chaz Nuclear check my uh, music and other work out on uh, nuclearkite.com uh, me and my boy Zach got some uh, dope stuff on there for you to listen to right now also got some uh, new projects coming out soon uh my man Zach got the album programs coming out in November and the new mixtape coming out after that. So yeah, we're working on we working out here, man. We out here doing it. So yeah. In closing, uh sports is fun. Alright, let's not lose sight of what's important. Uh voting. Make sure you register to vote. So for Shaw, my name is Oves. This is Run the Play.